Welcome to Finance Lab, a podcast for the intellectual investor, powered by Dalbar, an independent financial research firm dedicated to improving the investor experience. Finance Lab is where real investors get practical insight and perspective from real experts. In each episode, we'll dive deep into the fascinating world of finance, exploring topics like investing, financial planning, market trends, and everything in between. We're here to empower you with the tools and knowledge necessary to make informed financial decisions. Hello and welcome to Finance Lab. I'm your host, Corey Clark, Chief Marketing Officer at Dalbar. The title of today's show is Recreating Your Paycheck in Retirement and Understanding the Risk Involved. There's so much discussion out there about investing, and it always seems to center around the accumulation phase of investing, unless attention seems to be put on the distribution phase. However, the distribution phase in many ways is is more complex uh, and has more risks and perhaps greater risks um, than given the typical time horizon of someone in the distribution stage uh, than the accumulation phase. And our guest today is not afraid to talk about the distribution stage. Uh, In fact, he enjoys it. He does it for a living. Uh, His name is Andy Palladino. He's founder and owner of Palladino Financial Group out of Baltimore, Maryland, where he provides financial planning and implementation of financial plans. Andy has a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration and a Master's Degree in Finance. And in addition to being a financial advisor, he's a certified public accountant. So he knows a lot about taxes. Andy is a contributing author in the book, You're in Control, Planning the Most Important Retirement in the World, Yours. He is also the host of a weekly financial radio show, Your Financial Hour, every Saturday morning that airs in the greater Baltimore area. Andy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much, Corey. I'm glad to be here. So just a moment ago, I made the assertion that the distribution phase of investing is more complex and represents greater risks than the accumulation phase. Do you agree with that assertion? And what are the risks that investors should be considering? Uh, yes, definitely. You know, the uh, we like to say that the climb up the mountain as one saves and hopes to accumulate uh, money is one part. But, but as one approaches the top of that mountain and the planning for the descent down and Sometimes that can last just as long or longer than the climb up. You know, one needs to consider where the retirement income is going to be coming from, but also the risk involved. That's what we're going to be talking about today, those risks involved. And, and what are those, those risks that, that we're talking about? Obviously many, but what are, what are some of the ones that, that investors should be thinking about? So we have uh, identified eight, uh, eight risk, uh, longevity, people living longer, um, with that, you know, people do not want to run out of money, not outlive their assets. But also, too, with people living longer, there comes the uh, issue of potential health care issues. Uh, there's also then the second risk performance, how your investments, your portfolio performs. Then there's also the what we call the, the sequence of returns or timing risk, how your portfolio performs, not as you're saving, but as you're taking withdrawals out of your money, out of your accounts. And then the withdrawal rate. What rate can you withdraw? What is the appropriate withdrawal rate from your investments? Is it 5%, 4%, 3%? And then inflation. You know, inflation, being able to keep up with the cost of living, not the government's cost of living, but your cost of living. Taxes, income taxes, the risk the risk involved there, understanding that taxes are typically due um, still on money that's uh, withdrawn from accounts. And then there's uh, 
risk of Social Security. About, you know, I would say this is a new risk to us with the new information we received, the, the potential for reduction in Social Security benefits in the next several years. And then the risk of the economy, uh, the government issues, things that you cannot really control, but you have to have an understanding of those. Okay. So if I'm an investor that's uh, approaching retirement, I'm getting close to or at the point where I'm at the distribution phase, uh, and I'm looking at, at these risks, but I really want to get my my mind around maybe a few or the, 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 the two or three that are the, the most important. Which ones out of the eight that you just described do you feel should be prioritized by investors? Yeah, I'd say the, uh, I think the really main one is the sequence of return and timing risk, plus also the taxes. And then uh, this new risk, we have Social Security risk that uh, I think more people need to be aware of. So the first one you mentioned was sequence of returns. You know, that one catches my ear because I think we intuitively sort of understand what that means, but perhaps can't appreciate the degree to which it could affect our goals. So would you mind telling the audience a bit about what you mean by a sequence of return risks and, and how it can affect an investor's goal? Yes. Uh, so it's basically it's the risk of how your investments perform when you're withdrawing money. You know, when you're saving money and you have the ups and downs of, let's say, the bond or the stock or bond market, you know, you have the dollar cost averaging. That's, that's the, the thought process, right? But when you're taking withdrawals from your accounts and you have the ups and downs, it's not dollar cost averaging, it's dollar cost losing. And so, you know, often that risk is not really recognized, but it needs to be looked at. And I can give you a couple of examples of, you know, one simple example, let's say uh, we have two investors and they both have a million dollars to start with and they have decided that they're going to take $40,000 a year withdrawal from the account for the next 20 years. Let's say the first investor for the first 10 years, every year in those first 10 years experiences a return of a minus 5%, so minus 5% for 10 years. And then in, for the next 10 years, years 11 through uh, 20, they experience positive 15% returns every year. Now, this is not any special investment, just, as, just an example. So they have minus 5 for 10 years and plus 15 for 10 years. The second investor has just the opposite, positive 15% for the first 10 years and minus 5% for the next 10 years. They both average. They both average 5% over the 20 years. However, if you look at the math, the first investor that has minus 5 for 10 years and plus 15 for the next 10 years starts with a million dollars, takes $40,000 out a year withdrawal. They end up at the end of 20 years with $254,500 approximately. The second investor who experienced the opposite returns, minus, positive 15 for 10 years, minus 5 for the next 10 years, they end up with a total value of approximately $1,558,000. That is you know, a, a simple example, but it just brings to light the issues you know, of, of not knowing what your – really what it is is not knowing what you're going to have a return-wise with your investments, whether it's in – best in the stock market or bond market or a combination, you do not know uh, what's going to happen. 
So you have to address that risk. Now, that's a simple example. I'd like to also, there's another example that uses actual numbers. If you go back to 1989 and go forward 20 years to the year 2008 and look at the S&P 500, what it did every year uh, in that time frame, somebody, somebody started with a million dollars, took out, in this example, $50,000 a year, inflate, inflated it each year for 3% inflation. They ended up starting with a million in 1989. They ended up with over $3 million at the end of 20 years. However, you do not know what those returns are going to be going forward. So let's say we just flip those returns upside down. And then that investor would uh, have, if they experienced those returns for the 20 years, they would have ran out of money um, in, at the end of, um, at the, end of the uh, 18th year. Uh, so again, the sequence of returns, understanding this risk, this timing risk of how your investments perform or will perform while you're withdrawing money is, I think, a very important risk that needs to be addressed. And that's that's interesting. I, that's a you know a great way, an intuitive way uh, of, of sort of understanding why, as the time horizon gets shorter, the one can take on less risk because uh, you know, as you said, you uh, in the distribution phase. You know, you don't have you don't have the time for for the market to uh, even out over the, over the long term. The second one that you mentioned was was taxes, and I wanted to shift the conversation to that for a bit, if we could, because you know we all know that Uncle Sam uh, is is a pretty big risk dollar for dollar uh, when, when paying taxes. What should an investor know or think about uh, when considering the tax risk during the distribution phase? Um, yeah, so you know taxes. Are, are always going to be there. And a lot of people may think that, let's say in retirement, they will not owe taxes or their tax uh, rate or you know uh, tax will be less in retirement than when they were working. Well, a couple thoughts here too. So typically your income in retirement is going to be close, if not the same as what it was when you were working. So same income, same tax rate, maybe just from different sources, but same total income, so the same tax rate. You also have the potential or issue that possible that tax rates may go up in the future. So you have to understand that. So you have, first, the understanding that taxes are going to be due and tax rates may go up in the future. And typically, you know, taxes are due on like retirement accounts, uh, IRA, 401ks, 403b, TSP for the government employees. Um, if it's pre-tax, pre-tax money, when they uh, put the money into the account, comes out taxable. So you have the taxable income, taxes due, and whether taxes go up in the future, that, that's another issue based on other risk involved with the government and Social Security, which we'll talk about too. But, you know, the, the top tax rate, believe it or not, you know, is uh, back in like at the end of World War uh, II, back in 1945, the top tax rate was 94%. In 1981, when President Ronald Reagan was in office, it was around 69%. Uh, currently, right now, it's it's around it, the top rate is 37%. With no changes, though, by Congress, the uh, the, the top tax rate uh, in 2026 will go up to 39.6%. 39.6%. You have though. Issues with Social Security, Medicare, the U.S. debt, and the deficit. 
something's going to have to change. Um, there's projections of the debt deficit being a huge, a huge amount over fifteen trillion dollars. You know, can you run a household on a fifteen thousand dollar de- uh, deficit versus a fifteen trillion dollar deficit? So, revenue coming in is the taxes versus expenses going out. Something's going to have to give potential for tax rates in the future. That risk needs to be addressed and discussed as part of the overall planning process for retirement income. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off until after the break to ask the question that I'm dying to ask with this one and, and actually the, the risk that you mentioned before, uh, you know, and that is what as investors can we do about it? But I want to save that for after the break so we can talk about those action items uh, throughout all of these different risks. Before we do that, there was there was a third risk that you had mentioned. You mentioned sequence of returns. You mentioned the tax risk. Uh, and you also mentioned Social Security risk and, and, and sort of gave us a bit of foreshadowing uh, in terms of what that risk is. I'm, I'm almost afraid to ask you because it didn't sound so good, but I guess we got to know the reality of things and be able to plan and, and strategize accordingly. Um, could you tell the listeners a, a bit about the, the Social Security risk and how they should be thinking about that in their distribution planning? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, you know, about a year, if I go back a year ago, um, I would not even think that Social Security would be a, a risk. You know, the government uh, reducing somebody's Social Security benefits would be a political nightmare. But if you look at the math and the numbers, I think there's a real potential for a possible reduction in Social Security benefits. We call, now I won't t- take credit for this, but the I've heard this uh, terminology, the possible Social Security reduction is the possible pandemic of retirement income. Possible Social Security reduction is the possible pandemic of retirement income. So Social Security is is at risk, but you have to understand, take a step back, you know, Social Security is an asset. It's a key asset, right? If somebody has a monthly income from Social Security of $3,500 a month, over their lifetime, let's say over a 24-year period, giving some inflation in there, rounding off, they have will have accumulated over a million three, a million point three, um, one point three million in um, in income from Social Security. Uh, a benefit of four thousand five hundred a month is a million seven o- over their lifetime, right? So there's issues involved and options. You know what can Congress do? Um, well, the trustees report, Social Security's trustees report came out uh, recently, uh, the 2023 report came out, and they're, re- they're projecting the trustees of the Social Security, Social Security trustees are projecting that the trust fund for Social Security will be insolvent by the year 2033. Now, that's one year earlier than what was previously projected. The trustees changed some assumptions. They also had and some uh, changed some several economic calculations resulting in this. And so previously, the projection was at the end of 2032, there would be about $500 billion left in the trust fund. Now, they're saying it's going to be, uh, um, so it would be solvent for another year. Now they're saying that the end of 2032, there will be only about $425 billion and it will be insolvent by the year 2033. There's also the issue that was uh, in the report uh, about um, the annual benefits, the annual benefits being paid out 
right now exceed a trillion one trillion dollars right that has doubled in the last 14 years and it's projected to again uh double again uh 10 years from now uh, so it previously took 85 years just to get to one trillion dollars so now we're at one trillion and it's going to double um again in four in uh, another 10 years the third piece is this the math involved, right? The, 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 the gap between what is received by the Social Security versus what is paid out, revenue versus expenses. Right now, that gap is $96 billion. And uh, it was $11 billion just over maybe 13 years ago. Another 10 years from now, it's projected to be $428 billion. So you know, the, the math is there. There's, there's no time for any small adjustment. Something has to be done. What can Congress do? They can, you know, they can elect to just not do anything and wait for this all to happen. And if that happens, if they wait to to another 10 years, uh, costs have to decrease by anywhere from 22 to 25%. That means they reduce their benefits, reduce your benefits or reduce retirement income benefits, social security benefits. Um, or they have to increase revenue, means raise taxes. They'd have to increase revenue by 33%, or they do some combination of both. Now, you know, they, they could raise the retirement age. They did this back in 1983. Um, or they can do some combination of all this, you know, they, or, or they can do some what they call means testing, where they're doing that with Medicare right now, right now, Medicare premiums, meaning that based on your other sources of income, that you make too much and you'll get a reduced social security benefit. So the math, the thought process is all different. And I think this social security benefit, re- possible reduction in social security benefits needs to be addressed. And if I'm completely wrong, so if you have this in your plan, that maybe in 10 years you get a reduction in your benefits of anywhere from 22 to 25%, you plan for that. And if I'm completely wrong, then probably you, in your plan, you just have extra income. But uh, if it does happen, you have a prop, you have a plan in place just in case this Social Security risk comes comes to light. Yeah. So for the average investor who might be trying to project what you know what the income is that they're going to need at retirement, using some of the basic tools that we use to project what Social Security may pay, we should maybe take that with a grain of salt, or have or, or plan for the fact that that might be a lesser amount when it all comes to fruition. Yeah, correct. Yeah, just in case, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, what I'd like to do, we're going to take a quick break, but I'd like to dive back into these three risks because I think there's still a lot to unpack here in terms of sequence of returns. What can an investor do to try to protect themselves from an unfortunate sequence of returns Uh, on the tax side? What can uh, investors do to try to insulate themselves from tax? The best that they can, uh, especially given the fact that uh, tax rates may be on the upswing over the over the long term looking forward. Uh, and then finally, uh, within Social Security, uh, you know, how how can investors plan differently? How can they supplement their retirement planning to prepare for what uh, could be lower Social Security benefits? So we'll get into all of those uh, once we get uh, back from the break in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Dalbar. Dalbar is the nation's leading financial services market research firm and is committed to raising the standards of excellence in financial services. For more podcast episodes, visit financelab.dalbar.com. 
And now back to the episode. Welcome back to Finance Lab. We're here with our guest, Andy Palladino, and we're talking about risks in retirement. Uh, specifically before the break, we talked about three risks which Andy believes investors should be prioritizing in their planning. That is sequence of returns, uh, the second being tax risk, and the third being social security risk. So we've we've established these risks, we've prioritized them. Uh, now that we understand these three main risks, Andy, um, what is it that, that we should be doing to protect ourselves from these risks? What's what's sort of the, the big picture action plan for investors? Really, it comes down to planning, you know, having a plan in place. Talk about planning as you save and climb up that mountain, but as you get close to the top of that mountain, as I talk at the onset today, we look at the planning, what it's going to look like as you go down that mountain. It's not just, you know, as you save and go up the mountain, you're looking at uh, the allocation of your money, you're trying to grow money, accumulate assets. But when you get to the top and you start to look at the distribution phase, the, the descent down the mountain, you still want to grow your money, you have asset allocation, but it's also asset positioning, asset the positioning or giving assigning in your uh, different parts of your portfolio different jobs, let's say. We like to say, break it down into sports terminology. We have our offense, our defense, and special teams. You know, offense, as an example, money in the market, uh, whether it's stocks or bonds, looking to grow money, but also maybe protect it on the downside, minimize losses. Defense, looking at ways to protect money and protect income. And special teams, in light of the tax risk, look at special teams as a way to have tax-free money. The typical example, somebody may have uh, experiences, this is what your income is going to look like in retirement. You have your fixed sources and your variable sources. We like to break it down between fixed sources and variable sources. Fixed, um, your Social Security, even though there's that risk involved, um, and then perhaps if you have a pension. Not too many people have pensions, but there are still pensions out there, so that could be classified as fixed. Variable would be the other money coming in, you know, the money from your own accounts, right? So what you look at, though, in the planning process, what that looks like, the total income, and then also understanding the taxes involved. Take it to another step, though, in breaking it down, offense, defense, special teams. Would you like to try to get, or does it make sense to try to minimize these risks, especially the sequence of returns, the taxes, and the um, Social Security uh, risk, um, is getting some of the variable money up into the fixed category. You know, does you get some of the uh, variable money up into the fixed? And then also understanding maybe look at ways to minimize taxes. Maybe you cannot minimize taxes as much now, but for the future, and also make sure you do not pay unnecessary taxes. So minimize the taxes too. So you look at the, f- the, the overall pl- process, we like to... We talk about our, our planning process. We look at our pillars. We put a name to the process, the Playbook Pro method. But anyway, but the pillars, the financial planning, retirement income planning, tax planning strategies, risk management, risk mit- mitigation, and then also legacy planning, leaving money on, um, and, and to, and, uh, to, uh, to if you have a spouse and to other beneficiaries, and understanding what matters most for for you and what you can control and what you cannot control. 
So again, it comes down to planning, but also looking at different ways or different ideas to approach the distribution phase for your retirement income. And and moving from those those variable uh, bucket to a fixed bucket, is it fair to say that that, that is, is mitigating some of the sequence of return risks and, and some of the other risks that, that you mentioned earlier? Yes, definitely. So we're looking at ways to, you know, if the money up in that fixed category really, you could say is income coming in that is not going to be subject to market volatility. You know, the stock or bond market, whatever the market does, does not make any difference. You still have income coming in. It's not subject to interest rate movements. You know, we didn't, you know, whatever the interest rates are, the Federal Reserve does now or in the future, you still have income coming in. Inflation, we didn't talk about that risk, but if inflation continues, well, it always will be there, but whatever it is, it doesn't make any difference. You'll still have income coming into the household. And plus, if there's a healthcare issue because of longevity risk, if there's a healthcare issue, that income will still come into the household. So that money up in that fixed category can help minimize the risk of sequence of return Social Security and some of these other risks, you know, the ones that we didn't really address too much, but like withdrawal rate, inflation, and, uh, and some of those other ones. But yeah, definitely that can be a, a point of part of the planning process to get more money or some more additional money up into that fixed category. And so it's not, uh, it's not so much that as an investor, I have, I have a strategy to tackle my sequence of return risk and I have a separate strategy to tackle my tax risk. It, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way is that your, your planning strategy and the planning strategies that, uh, that, that many, uh, financial advisors and professionals employ are, are, are meant to get at all of these risks in some way to different degrees. Uh, but it's not a one for one type of thing where you're, you're tackling each risk individually. These, these all sort of come into one mosaic. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely correct. Yeah, right. It's understand and address each risk individually, but the plan is all part of the old big, you know, the the process, the total process. You can, you're going to not just address each specific risk individually, but part of the planning process, you know, is to to address them all in your plan as you plan for your retirement income. So we're we're getting close to the end here. So I just wanted to give you a chance, Andy. Any any sort of parting shots or, or, or thoughts that you'd like to leave with the listeners uh, regarding establishing a, a paycheck in retirement and the risks associated with it? I would say that uh, things have changed. You know, it, it, the financial atmosphere environment has changed over time, and what has probably been thought of in the past maybe is different now. So. Be open to ideas, you know, to address these risks, understand these risks. You have to maybe, we talk about maybe not just, uh, we say not just think outside the box, but around the box. And uh, it has to be addressed in a different light and with different thought process uh, to make hopefully a successful recreation of your paycheck in, in retirement. That's Andy Palladino of Palladino Financial Group. Andy, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Well, thank you, Corey. Thank you for having me. And I really appreciate really appreciate this. And I enjoyed my time talking with you. Me too. Thank you so much. Andrew J. Palladino is an investment advisor representative of and securities and advisory services are offered through USA Financial Securities Corp, member of FINRA and SIPC. 
USA Financial Securities is a registered investment advisor located at 6020 East Fulton Street, Atta, Michigan, 49301. Paladino Financial Group is not affiliated with USA Financial Securities. Thanks for listening. If you found this conversation valuable, please visit financelab.dalbar.com to connect with today's guest. We'll see you on our next episode of Finance Lab. 